Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. As always, thank you for joining me on the sports podcast where we have a great show planned today. Going to talk hockey with Eddie Murphy, producer of the Extra Points podcast. A lot of shows on that network that he does great work with. And we're going to talk about his New York Rangers thrilling 3-1 comeback over the hated, in his words, especially hated Pittsburgh Penguins. It was a drama-filled first round with the Oilers squeaking out five game sevens. The Oilers beat the Kings in one. The Maple Leafs lost to the Lightning. We saw the Hurricanes beat the Bruins. There were so many good series. We break down all of that and talk about some lines and some picks in the second round. Battle for Alberta, Battle of Florida. A lot of hockey talk with Eddie Murphy. And then I talk hoops with Ryan Souls. He's back on the show to talk about the Phoenix Suns' dreadful performance against the Mavericks at home in that game seven. And we break down Celtics' heat and Warriors Mavericks. It's the Money Mitch Effect with Eddie Murphy and Ryan Souls. Let's start the show. All right, now joining us here on the Money Mitch Effect, second time on the show, so officially reoccurring. Uh, riding high, milestone birthday, uh, a, a series comeback for the ages, and not the member of his family to uh, go shirts off, tarps off at the bar. Eddie <laughs> Murphy joining us now. Eddie, thanks for coming back. Mitch, it's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, it's an honor to be a two-time guest. And uh, yes, you're right. It was a milestone birthday, milestone week, and fun times with you. And obviously, uh, great to see the Rangers win Game Seven. Yeah. Well, let's go through the uh, emotional roller coaster, right? Can you even chart where you were? Uh, you know, from Game One, obviously, to all the way down to the depths of uh, the end of Game Four to Game Seven. Probably as crazy of a of a roller coaster as your Rangers have taken you on, but ultimately it. Uh, leads with tears of joy and not sadness right so game one and i've texted with you uh and various others multiple times about this and it's obviously one of the bigger stories of the first round and definitely of the series was that triple overtime game penguins win in the garden but the controversial goalie interference with cabo caco coming down the right side hitting into de smith uh, looks like he was, I mean, he was pushed into him by Ryan Dumoulin, who, ironic enough, on that play, is actually what caused him to get injured and miss the rest of the series. Um, and then Philip Heedle burying that goal, which would have won the game in the third period for the Rangers, and that would have been, you know, a 2 nothing lead going to Pittsburgh, which I feel would have definitely changed the whole dynamic of that series. But instead, it was called goal interference. But the, the thing that was so frustrating about that was that that goal that was overturned you know, we the the national series had that, and the uh, uh, what was the other series that had that? Um, the Kings uh, Oilers series had yeah. that uh, same play where the goals counted. So it was pretty frustrating to see that game two. Obviously, a win in the Garden. So at that point, I'm thinking even after that bad night one thing, uh, you know, obviously the backup goalie situation, like maybe it's a blessing in disguise. We now have the Penguins AHL or barely AHL goaltender. I know he took like a cup of coffee with the Coyotes, could barely crack their lineup. <laughs> so Louis Domingue, not really a guy you want in net. Uh, they had a couple injuries. We had a couple injuries, but I'm thinking, okay, you know, it's 1-1. We're going to Pittsburgh, which is obviously going to be tougher, but I still think with how we dominated them in the regular season, I thought at that point we were going to rattle off, like, just four straight wins, win this in five, move on, have some nice rest. Uh, did not go that way. Didn't even go close to that. Obviously, games three and game four were as lopsided as they can get. Just, they just did not look like their regular season self from the entire, you know, the entire series, really. So at that point, when they're now going into uh, game five and they're down, you know, three games to one, I'm thinking, wow, like, I, I can't believe this is actually happening. Like this team that we're better than we're, we're going to lose to. Uh, I was still pretty frustrated over that, that goal. 
And then uh, they come, you know, in, in dramatic fashion, they win games five, uh, game six. Again, they're down now without Crosby. But again, I, you know, I don't like the Crosby excuse um, as a quick aside. You're up two goals in game five. You're up two goals in game six. Like, don't give me if Crosby played, it would have been over. It's like, what else, what else do you need? Like, you, like you, you had your, your two goal lead. Uh, and then game seven. Now, you know, Rangers score first. Rangers then you know give up uh, a few goals they're now down and one of the goals is the Gensel high stick which again counted and it's like I don't know what other video evidence they needed that ball the the, the puck was across the crossbar above the crossbar I mean like that you could you put it you people on, online have like lines drawn where the puck would have right. landed whereas the contact with the stick and that's just the theme of the series. Like, it's just the, the Pens had every break their way. They had more power plays. They had more five-on-three opportunities. They had uh, every review went in their favor. Obviously, with the the, the game one overturn goalie interference goal, and then that was that still counted that goal. And um, you know their their fan base and their media members are just some of the <laughs> most uh, Homer live well, in a bubble, yeah. and 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 just like they don't see how they had all these breaks, and they keep citing stuff that like you know that that went wrong for them. Like the the helmet coming off of um, uh, was it Matheson? Was yeah, it and, and yeah that that play at the end, and and this is kind of my thing. I mean, the rule, just an aside on the rules, right? Like goaltender yes. interference, it's not consistent at all. Teams are going to nope. just get screwed by nature. It happened to be you guys in game one, but I think you know, and we've talked about whether or not you should be allowed to. I mean, the challenge. You also like in the Nashville series, you lose a man advantage by challenging inconclusive. So that could be basically yes. two goal swing right there. The high stick, I, I, I mean, everyone thought and everyone kind of knew that it was a high stick. I actually blame more officials on the ice for missing that call yep. because you don't have that. We all know it, but there isn't that angle of him actually hitting it by the crossbar. And that's why the rule, like you have to do better on the, on the ice with that call. My thing too, is we, we understand that the penguins do complain and, and the only the only criticism I'll say is is and it goes to you guys as well. You play through this stuff. Complaining is not really going to get you anywhere. There were times when I thought that the Rangers fans and, and I'll put you into this group a little bit. There was some complaining on your end too. But at the end of the day, like those are the breaks you play through it. The Rangers played through it one in overtime series. So all that yeah. complaining doesn't really amount to much. Both teams had breaks. Had injuries that favored them. Had plays that went against them. That's hockey. And at the end of the day, the Rangers won. I don't think it was an egregious stolen series because both teams can look at the other side and say, this break happened. We would be better if this wouldn't have happened. But that's how sports works. That's how life works. So yeah, I don't really yeah, think that swung a series in one call or one injury. Well, and that and that's like the thing that frustrates me the most too. And I hate complaining because no one at the end of the day when the team that wins the series, nobody ever goes. Well, they actually didn't really win the series because so and so happened. And that's the thing that's frustrating is like the the terms of like swinging a series. The like the the game one from in the high stick goal and also in game seven those are legitimate series changing plays and goals because obviously they have the victory in game one mm -hmm. and the Rangers don't come back and score in game seven obviously they lose and they're out and now the Penguins are playing the, the Hurricanes whereas the stuff that like went in favor of the Rangers like yes I understand you don't want players injured but like them crying about Cross having this the, the concussion like didn't have a concussion um, I, I don't want to keep laboring the point of it but right. I, I just feel it, like it's always yeah. just with this Penguins team no that's the, true 
that, that Crosby part is and, true. And, and Sullivan post in the post game press conference, like citing the rule, the well, helmet that, rule. Yeah, see, like that... Latang got back in position, by the way, and it's also on Marino for giving up the puck. Like, right. I just, I just right. don't get their thought process. And it's like it starts with the organization, and it goes to their beat writers, and then it goes to their fans. <laughs> that just no one's they don't recognize the breaks that they got in that series. And for the coach then to do this after the handshake line, like series, you know, good series, whatever. We're gonna go now complain yeah, to the media yeah. and like. Crosby, you're the bit you're you're such a good player, and this is why the other fan bases don't respect you around the league. Like they maybe they do at McDavid. It's just because you you just don't you're a whining, complaining guy that doesn't need to do that. He's constantly like chirping, and it's just like it's just kind of sickening. And I just, I was really fed up with their fans. I'm I'm quite frankly I'm very I'm very looking forward to this uh, series versus the Hurricanes because I don't think their fan base has uh, nearly the amount of uh bring to the table that the, the Pittsburgh Penguins fans do. Yeah, I just would also say with that rule in general, um, not it is it is vague by nature. I understand that players like don't understand that you can put your helmet back on and keep playing. Which in hindsight, I think you're I think it's more of a European type thing where the game just stops, and that might be part of the issue there. But yeah, literally for all players out there, just put your helmet back on, make them blow the whistle because what's the worst thing that happens? The ref will stop the game anyway, and that's a break for the Penguins. But again, it all comes back to. You know, none of these hits were egregiously dirty. Plays go, calls go. I know it's unfortunate. We've always, we've, it seems like the Penguins get the majority of them at times. But Rangers fought through it. Series was won. That's how it goes. And, you know, I, I think the whining nature of, of some of the Penguins kind of spills over to some of the other ones. But, hey, props again to the Rangers for winning that series. And just, just thinking about how great that first round was in general. Like, five game sevens. A lot of the series were great. Uh, it just might have been in, in the fact that the NHL has a new TV deal now with TNT and ESPN. Eddie, it was like the perfect storm of, you know, showing off the product for one of the best first rounds in the last couple of years, for sure. Uh, yeah, wasn't it the well, I think that Rangers Pens game was the most watched NHL game in years mm-hmm. uh, that was not a cup final. Uh, I, the first round series, they said, had the most views ever. Obviously, uh, I saw someone make the joke on Twitter. Uh, it was like, yeah, that's what happens when the uh, hockey playoffs are on on TVs uh, in hotels uh, on channels that are in hotels. Because, like, I mean, remember back in the day when they were beyond like what was like CNBC or these weird channels. You oh, even find the, yeah, it's like, what is going on with that? So it's like uh, having games on TNT, ESPN uh, and just the access to the apps, ESPN Plus, too. Like, it's just so much easier to uh, to be able to access that. So it feels like a legitimate sport now it feels like it matters um it's great that you can walk into a sports bar and you could have those games on where it used to be just you know mlb games or nba games on the major network so not to make fun of the nba but their game sevens were not nearly as exciting as the ones the nhl had so i mean a lot of great games there and yeah i mean i that that game seven for me personally was just a huge roller coaster and i'm glad i'm glad panarin got it done for the mm-hmm. rangers uh because he did not have a great game was kind of passing up a lot of shots um kind of avoided contact but the big-time guys like him and Zimanejad as well who needed to have big games they did, and that's what uh, makes the players make big plays when it needed the most. There was a lot of winners and losers in the first round just in general. Um, my biggest, I mean, you can start with the individual player winner, and I know the team didn't perform all the way through, but what Connor McDavid did against the LA Kings, that was probably as close to a, it was like we were just talking about the NBA just a second ago. It's like that's mm-hmm. an NBA-type performance. Guys yeah. in hockey no matter how good you are, can't typically affect the game because there's so many variables or so many actual players on the ice. But 14 points in seven games, Eddie, and it felt like that that downplays the magnitude because every time he's on the ice, he's a factor. 
and the Kings were on their heels. They played a tremendous series undermanned at L.A., but what McDavid did in game six and seven especially just blew me away, and I, I already have all the respect in the world for him. I mean, the Kings were a team that people thought were going to be you know, a little bit away. I thought in terms of Southern California teams, I actually picked the wrong one to kind of exceed expectations. I thought the Ducks mm-hmm. would be the better of the two. I mean, the Kings were very, very close to really – I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that if the Oilers lost in the first round to this Kings team, and I don't – again, not to take away from the Kings, it's one thing if they had to get matched up versus the – you know, maybe Calgary or maybe Colorado, whatever, the, the, the Oilers in round one. But it's the Kings, a team they should beat – uh, and almost losing, it's like there's no shot that next hockey season we're seeing McDavid and Drysdale together. And I think uh, I've, we talked about this before too. There's no way you could trade away McDavid. He's your captain. He's the best player in, in hockey, arguably the best player in sports. So it's like, what do you do? You move Drysdale for um, you know defensemen and goalie because they clearly need help on the blue line. They definitely need help between the pipes. Uh, they need help. I think they're they're bottom six. They could be a lot stronger. They're not really built to win in the playoffs and we know like the recipe for that that is and that's you know why the the lightning it went back to back it's not because of the high flying scoring it's because they have a deep team great defenseman and they have a great goaltender and the Oilers are missing all of those aspects they're really just relying on Tyler McDavid so like that could have changed that really that series could have shaken up like the future of hockey um and they you know obviously the Oilers escaped I don't think if the Oilers lose this this series, they're going to blow up the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe if there's a sweep. I don't know if you have a different opinion. If they yeah, sweep them, I, I could see that. But I think if they play a, a generally speaking yeah. like a tough series, I think they're going to pretty much stay intact. Dreisaitl's injury, too. He's hobbled. That's going to affect it. Um, and, hey, I mean, surprising as it may be, Evander Kane was clearly their second-best player in this series. Totally. And they pick, I mean, that pickup was so crucial for them. They are, they were, they, this is really a it's, team that was night and yeah. day, how they played. It's, kind of, it's, exactly what they, it's exactly what they need. A guy in front of the net that's going to be you know a second line scoring option that's going to give them also that physical presence he plays on the edge a lot sometimes mm-hmm. going overboard but they needed it they definitely have their hands full next round um I know it their team didn't win Eddie but a winner for me and for everybody is what Ottinger did in goal for Dallas game seven oh should have been about seven to nothing and uh th- there was no reason they were in that game other than him it was one of the best goaltending performances in a big game ever this young American kid who barely even started the team, wasn't even really on the roster when the camp started in the beginning of the year. That goaltending performance was incredible. He, he almost single-handedly pulled it off, beating Calgary on the road in a game seven. What, what was like? What was the final shot count? I mean, it was something ridiculous. I know that like Suter in his interview was making me laugh, saying that like, yeah, we deserve to win. We had like you know hundreds of shots on them. I mean, you're right. Uh, it's it, it playing in that building too. Super loud. Every fan wearing red. Like I cannot imagine the environment. There. Sixty-four um, saves on sixty-seven shots. Unbelievable, unbelievable, man. And it's just like, you know, I think going in, I'm not sure where you had that series going with the stars. I knew it was gonna be a tough series. I think I actually picked Flames in six, if I remember correctly. Um, but like them taking them to seven, I, I just thought that like, yeah, the Flames are tough. They're pretty much everyone's second favorite team out out of the West. But I, it's just a great mix of having the goaltending, having the grit, and having the guys who could actually score. Um, so Calgary's a, a very dangerous team. I think yeah. that the, the Stars were just like a nightmare match, but mm-hmm. they played them really well in the regular season. And then getting a goaltending performance like on like they did, uh, they did, did they really did deserve to win that game just based on how he played. But um, I think Calgary has a little bit of an easier matchup next round. They'll feel, uh, you know, I think they're going to obviously. I would not be shocked if they beat the Avalanche, uh, but that sometimes like a game like that where you overcome that is kind of like sparks yeah. a team. But 
Uh, but the Stars, they're another team, too. We said about how the Oilers were, you know, first half they were whatever. Dallas was ready to, you know, trade away some pieces. I know Pavelski was in the block. Out of nowhere, they're playing really good. They, you know, re-sign. They go, no, you're part of this team, and we're going to make a run. And that was, you know, tough to get into the playoffs. And, like, they, you know, they kind of exceed people's expectations there. They really took the flames to the brink. That was uh, a heck of a series that I wish more people watched. And then, yeah. you know, now you get battle of, uh, the Battle of Alberta. Two Americans, it may not be as fun, but um, it's, it's going to be – they're two wildly different teams. Um, well, so it's going to be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I agree with you on the sense that they won in seven, they survived, but it doesn't make me think any less of them because of the matchup. It was no. a low-scoring, old-school style hockey series, and there are times when you see a team that's hyped up and, and you know doesn't handle business, barely scrapes by, where you see flaws. This was just a brutal matchup plus an, an all-time goalie performance. So I'm still on the Calgary train for sure. I want to piggyback on that quickly. Yeah. I know you want to move on, but yeah. it's like that, I totally agree with that point. The Calgary Flames do not make me think less of them because of the match they have with Dallas Stars. Now, I know we'll probably get to it. The team I do think less of are the, the Florida Panthers for struggling with the Washington Capitals. I, I have a uh, I have an interesting thought on that. And there's there's I guess I understand it. Like, they struggle with the Capitals. There could be some flaws there. But they actually did show, like, grit that we we're all wondering about because it's, you know, typical. I guess we can call it whatever. Like, some people might think soft team finesse team four goals a game can they make adjustments for three to four games they were not good unapologetically right. not good and they actually deep so while it was not a great performance having to rally wait late in game four game five they're down three nothing they win five to three and in game six they have that back-breaking dumb penalty that's taken tie it up go to overtime on the road and they win while it wasn't their best performance at all and they might not be good enough part of me is thinking okay they actually showed grit. Now, it might, it's not going to be enough. you got to have more than that to beat Tampa Bay. But the fact being that they actually did show me some toughness that I didn't know existed. Uh, well, I, th- I think almost like Washington forces you to play that way. You have to show some kind of physicality. Yeah. I mean, outside of just Tom Tom Wilson. But I think the Capitals, the Capitals of the team, they do play. I mean, even Ovechkin himself loves to throw his body. Yeah. Um, it's just that just the kind of team they are. But they were as unimpressive as it gets through a large portion of the regular season to the point where the Capitals almost like were overtaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing the Panthers, the best team in hockey, points-wise, like, you know, come and doing that, it's like, oh, well, I guess this is kind of true that the, this high team yeah. is not going to really match up. And I just think, like I just said before about the, the Lightning, and I know that Lightning may not have the same kind of feel to them as they did the last two years. They did lose some guys. But I still think they're just built so they're just meant to win in the playoffs though this lightning team is built and i think they're the beating the leafs in round one was a way tougher test mm-hmm. than what the panthers did with the Capitals. so yeah. i'm not not really looking i i don't i if i had a side of the team i'm i'm, I'm probably on the side of tampa more with eddie murphy here on the money mitch effect talking nhl playoffs uh just on number two i mean they beat toronto we can we'll get to toronto in a second but mm-hmm. they go into toronto in a game seven and just a cliche championship performance, blocking shots, Nick Paul scoring two goals, another third liner coming through. And then Vasilevsky, who is the guy, and it's not even close. I mean, it's any big game goalie you want, it's him. Uh, this is his sixth series in a row. Uh, this was the first time he gave up a goal in a closeout game. The previous five were shutouts. It's And the one goal was just a tic-tac-toe goal that's not stoppable. He is what you want in this situation, and, and that was I was impressed by what they did more than I was disappointed in uh, how Toronto played final game and in throughout the series. I thought Tampa Bay just even even if they're on fumes, championship wise, going for that elusive three peat, 
it was still uh, that heart of a champion that we all talk about. Uh, Nick Paul, I mean, what a, just a, a great uh, pickup at the deadline, a great, really smart move by them to getting another guy, a middle, you know, middle six. Like it just, it, it shows you this organization is run well. I understand what it takes to win. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I could echo everything you said about Vasilevsky. He's the best goaltender in the game. Guy never loses back-to-back games. <laughs> so like, this is what I'm saying. Like the lightning know what it takes to win games. They know that it takes, you have to roll out four lines. You have to play sound defensively. And obviously the goaltending helps, but that's why I just don't I don't really buy the Panthers yeah. chances. If I'm they worried do, about point though. Shocked. I'm worried about Braden Point because I know he came back to the to the ice uh, on in Game Seven after that fall. Mm-hmm. He didn't look like he was playing as effective. He's definitely battling an injury that will not come out until after the playoffs. But if they lose him, this is I mean Game Six OT winner. This is the most unsung clutch hero <laughs> of this era. You could even argue. Yeah, um, you're right about that. I mean, they, every team I feel like is going to start racking up the injuries, especially uh, getting to the next round. But it's just, I don't, you know, back to the Leafs, too, like, I don't want to take away. Like, it, it's just, you, they got matched up versus, like, the worst team they could possibly That's get true. matched that, up against. I 100% agree, because I think that there's chokes, there's collapses. Everyone's going to run with the with their favorite meme or just the stat that they haven't won a series, you know, in over, in, in what, 17 years or whatever it is. Yeah. But the fact being... They matched up with the two-time defending champs in the first round because they're in a stacked division. Is mm-hmm. kind of a brutal break, and I didn't even think they played that bad in this game. It comes down to a couple plays and the best goalie in the world. Yep, I'm totally with you. And you could link up the Leafs to whatever team in the East, and I, I'd probably bet them to mm-hmm. to win most most teams. And yeah. like just a bad matchup. I don't think that Toronto should do some sort of. Uh, you know, blow up the team, you know, find a new direction. I think they are almost there. I think they just need to add, you know, certain pieces. And again, it's just the luck of the draw that they had yeah. to play the two-time defending champions. But like, I don't, I, I, you've been reading a lot of stuff they should do. And obviously they're passionate fan base. I think everyone there is tired of losing. And I think there is some pressure, but I think sometimes like these quick kind of judgment things where you want, like, you're like, all right, I'm going to, you know, move this guy for these pieces like you have a great young core just act ride it out and things will get better and just do make the moves like you know the rangers are a good example too they did they picked up guys like cop and and, and mott and Braun deadline and the same thing for the lightning like they just make those kind of moves those like unheralded guys and that stuff will will always fall into place and obviously they're you know they had goaltending issues throughout the portion of the season too which uh is another disadvantage but I, again i would not overreact to the i i know it's hard to be patient but i i just think that the Leafs will be okay yeah. I, I, I think they'll be right back in the playoffs next year. Let's take a look at some of these uh, second-round matchups odds, make a little predictions here as we kind of see it. Um, the one that was set up the most, the earliest, I should say, Colorado and the Blues. I'm, I'm a little stunned that the line is so stacked towards Colorado. I obviously sing their praises a lot, minus 380, but there's a lot of people, the Blues in that plus 290, plus 300 range, that think that, and I think rightfully so in a lot of ways, this could be Colorado's toughest test in the West. I think the Blues are, are definitely a tough team that aren't going to make it easy to get open ice and open areas on the ice and, and for the Colorado finesse game to go about. I think this line is a little stacked. I think Colorado wins and wears them down, but I don't expect – I really honestly, Eddie, don't expect a quick series. I don't either. Uh, you have no value right now betting the Avalanche. I, I do think the Avalanche will win. Um, some fun bets you could do depending on your book. Like I, you know, for me using FanDuel, they have like a uh, series, uh, the series number after like three games. 
and I'm pretty sure like I, I, I like the uh, Blues to at least win one. So I have the Avalanche up two games to one after that. You get plus money on that. So those are like the bets you can place for, for them. And I, I am a happy camper yeah. because yeah. I did bet the Blues to win round one yeah. uh, over the, the, the Wild. Obviously, they swept that season series. I thought there was a, a, a really good shot they would win that. A, a little bit tougher than it had to be. But um, I think the Blues, they, they're a team that's won in the past. The, the goaltending doesn't seem to be that issue anymore. And I think they do have – you know, look, also with Nashville – like there were a couple of close moments, they could have made it more of an interesting series. I don't. I think the sweep uh, was due to we talked about the goalie interference call and some injuries, but I, I don't think there's a chance in hell that the Blues get swept. And I think the Blues just have more of that toughness. Like I don't. I don't think we're gonna see you know seven, eight, nine goals scored in a game by the Avalanche. They're really gonna tighten it down. They're gonna push them around. And I think it's gonna be a, a tough series. I, I think the skill ultimately will overcome all those issues, and the Avalanche will win. But like I said, I, I still think we'll steal a game or two. Yeah, I think uh, what we've also seen too, and at least on the betting front, is you can get that road team to win game one. Game two, it's just Hammer City on, on the home team to bounce back, and then especially at line like one and a half or so, which I could see St. Louis coming in and, and making game one theirs. And, you know, I think it'll be fun. I just think eventually Colorado, too much too much weaponry. Kale McCarr, how he's skating on the point, is, is like a dynamic player. It's almost playing with four forwards out there. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it'll be a fun series, uh, but props to the Blues for you know weathering Minnesota's best punches and, and wearing them down. Uh, the other one that's going to get going uh, that's going to get going as well tonight is uh, Florida taking on Tampa. The battle of Florida, Tampa plus one sixty, Florida minus one sixty five. I know those li- that line stands out as great value for Tampa, which I agree. I do. I, I think that this is a series where, and, and I'll preface it like this, Eddie, not to hedge. I think Florida has to win it. They can't go to a Game 7. It's almost like they have to get an advantage early in the series because you know Tampa's such a big game, big money team. But it feels like Tampa Bay, this is where people are predicting that everything's going to catch up to them with just the amount of hockey they played. Because they even go back-to-back is insane. But the amount of series deep into the bubble year, the months are all messed up. They've played so much hockey over the last three years. I Yeah, a lot of people have been citing that. I'm not sure when's going to catch up to them. I mean, I think in terms of betting, you know, the game one bet with the Lightning on the road, getting like the goal and a half on the spread, I like that. I'm not saying that the, the, the Lightning are going to win this game, but I think anytime you can give the back-to-back champs uh, a goal and a half versus a team that got, you know, pushed around by uh, the Capitals uh, mm-hmm. all, all, uh, all series, uh, I do like that a lot, but... Uh, I wouldn't be shocked the Panthers win the first one at home, but again, I like that goal and a half. I think they're all going to be close games uh, just because of the skill the Panthers have, but uh, I, I, I just still feel, like I said before, I still feel like I'm going to side with Vasilevsky in this series. I, I still think they're the better team, the more complete team, uh, and anytime you get the Lightning with a, a plus goals, yeah. uh, or even on the money line, uh, plus 134, I think it is right now, it's it's a good one. I, I also, the over-under, too, is interesting here, because part of me is thinking like Vasilevsky will stop it, but these are two teams that could score so like, I know seven's pretty high. Um, it's just this. I think both this series and the Avalanche uh, series are both at uh, seven right now. But I would not be shocked too if we see like a, a, a four, like four going into overtime sort of thing too. So that's another thing to look out for. But I, I definitely like the Lightning uh, getting the goal in half. Carter Verhage, huge Florida Panther player. He's second by McDavid in postseason points. See if he has a series in him. And Florida, who did not have a power play, go 0 for 18 against the Caps, needs that to wake up. But I'm expecting uh, that one to be a very intense showdown. They they played last year. This is the rematch. Uh, speaking of battles and in home areas, you got the battle for Alberta, which we mentioned. Calgary's a pretty solid favorite in that one. And just kind of looking at it, minus 190 to Edmonton's about plus 150. 
They've dominated the season series. I think it is a tough matchup, and I love Connor McDavid. I want to see him play, but if if Dreisaitl's compromised, I just can't see any way Edmonton wins. Like that, that's where I'm I'm at in this matchup. Uh, I think Sutter knows how to coach against stars, maybe as good star superstar players as well as anyone possibly in coaching in hockey right now. And I think oh, yeah. David will have a game or two, but eventually Calgary too deep, too physical, too strong. I think they'll just wear him down. I'll say six games because I just want to see more hockey, but it could even be less than that. Yeah, uh, it's. I would love to say – I would say six. Well, the game, the first game is going to dictate a lot. Obviously going to be in the hostile environment, and I want to see how much uh, how much they get pushed around the Oilers and, and how like open their offense is. They're flying past Calgary. I'm going to say, okay, maybe maybe Calgary mm-hmm. just can't keep up with the speed. But, again, it's like we're talking about Calgary. Like they're lacking skill of their own. So I think game one, if it's a close game, if the Oilers seem like they had a chance to actually pull away and win it, then I'll go, okay, maybe this is a, little bit a longer series. If Calgary comes in and, and, you know, they have another, you know, 40 plus shot goal. And I, I think if that's happening, there's just no way the Oilers are going to be able to, st- to stop that, even with how much they could score. Um, I would say in this series too, that the goaltending on the one side being pretty bad, I'd like the over under being six and a half is definitely something to look at. If you want to go the over there, if somehow if the Oilers are getting a goal and a half at home, or getting plus money in the money line at home, yeah. maybe look into that. But um, yeah, I, I I think game one for me will be telling. I pretty much could tell how the rest of the series will go. But this is the one series that I think the game one is going to dictate a lot because you'll see how much of style the Oilers could could go against the Calgary Flames here. Markstrom looked pretty solid, had his moments. Mike Smith's kind of up and down. He had a great game seven. Don't take that away from him, but he can be a little sloppy with the puck. They played four times this year, and in three of those games, Eddie, at least seven goals were scored. So I think that might be the way to <laughs> that might be the way to attack the series. Markstrom, Another, uh, okay. yeah, Markstrom right now too is I think third in Conn Smythe betting odds. Mm. Um, so he's like plus eleven hundred. That's another interesting wow. one there too if he if he plays well. Last one, your series. Rangers are plus one sixty dogs against the Carolina Hurricanes, minus one ninety. Carolina who handled the Bruins, but it was seven physical games. Although at home they were they were pretty unstoppable. You know, it was the only series where the home team won every game. Carolina was right with them. Uh, you know, we'll see where this goes. You were dreading this matchup kinda as the playoff dominoes were falling before. How are you feeling going into this one against a, a Carolina team? Well, the uh, I guess I feel better in the, uh, what you just said is that it was a long series versus the Bruins. Uh, it was definitely a physical series. That was the best thing. I said if the Rangers have to end up playing this team, I want the Bruins just to beat the crap out of them for as many as they can. I mean, the Bruins almost, uh, you know, were obviously a few goals away from winning the series. And a New York-Boston matchup would have been great. And I think it would have been a, a whole hell of a lot easier to, to, to play the Boston Bruins and the, the Hurricanes, who have just had the Rangers' number. The Canes play a similar style of hockey to the Penguins, but they're just a much better team, I think, top to bottom than the, the Penguins are. Um, similarly, both dealing with goaltending issues. Uh, Ronta, obviously, in, you know, backup goalies again for the Rangers playing. So if the Rangers are less hesitant about their shots, like they were pretty bad about that in the game one. Not all, analytically, not a lot of great high percentage area shots, but whenever they did um, – you know what they scored goals and they made a count when they had the opportunities to do so which is how they won the series so they they cannot play a sloppy they have to be they cannot leave guys in the doorstep anymore make Igor do everything which is a huge problem in the, in, in the series versus the Penguins so I, I don't know I, I'm, I'm not feeling great about this just because they're you know they lost three games to one in the regular season matchup uh, the Bruins did me a, a huge solid by beating them up uh, you're not going to get great value on betting the the Hurricanes to win that series 
But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the part of me wants to be like, hey, listen, the Rangers had the Vezina winner. Uh, the regular season clearly didn't matter versus the Rangers in the Penguin series when the Rangers pretty much dominated them. So if you want to say the Rangers going to pick it up, uh, maybe how the series ended games five, six, and seven with, you know, Zibanejad, Panarin playing better. You know, that could be, you know, you could value the Rangers plus 172 on FanDuel for the series betting, but uh, I, I would say I would say the the, the Hurricanes probably probably win this series um, just because they've had their number. I don't see a reason to change that. And like I, I, the Rangers just didn't do a whole lot of favors to themselves with how they played versus the Penguins yeah. in a, a large portion of that series. Well, if you can steal one of the two in Carolina, I know it's like a huge ask and maybe impossible in this playoffs. Then the pressure might flip to Carolina having to prove that they can win on the road. But I do I do think though that the matchup's tough. Brendan Moore has this team playing a certain type of way. Uh, some of those old Rangers, you know, Tony D'Angelo had a really good series. He was, you know, kind of lost his mind for a second, but he bounced back there. And the deadline acquisition of Max Domi paid off in Game 7. I think that their depth and their toughness, it's, it's going to be, like, you can't take shifts off, and the defense has to play a lot better for the New York Rangers. I think everybody knows that, that they got to just be sure. more sure with the puck. Less turnovers there. I think it's... I think it's a tough ask for this Rangers team against Carolina uh, based on the form that I've seen. I will say six games. I think the home teams are going to hold serve for the first five, and then Carolina will get the road win in game six. But I do think this is going to be a low-key underrated series because I think the Rangers have the firepower and uh, that confidence of getting through Pittsburgh is going to get them going. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, the way I'm sounding is, like, this Rangers team was, like, the little engine. That, I mean, like, they were two wins away from, like, the all-time franchise record. They were a phenomenal mm-hmm. team. They were 50-plus wins. They were, they, you know, they were great. Um, I just think this last series obviously rubbed people the wrong way who were supporters, and the Carolina Hurricanes, the one team that had their number. Weirdly enough, it's like, if the Rangers move on to the next round, I almost feel better about those teams, their chances, especially because they swept the Lightning. So, again, like, the Rangers have played pretty well versus the better teams except for the Hurricanes. Rangers are getting back Ryan Lindgren, who missed some time in the Penn series. Um, you know, Mott is now back in the lineup, who, by the way, was awesome uh, when he played. So him, you know, taking over for either Ryan Reeves or Dryden Hunt, or I guess Barkley Goodrow is going to probably miss this, this series too. So that's a big plus there. So it's it's possible uh, if they steal a game, it's great. I know they're trying to block out the Rangers fans from being in their arena. I think the Rangers are going to do the same there. Um, from what I've heard, I have family in that area. I have friends that have traveled down to see games there. A uh, lot of New Yorkers, a lot of transplanted New Yorkers in that area that, that show up there. And I've heard that sometimes that stadium, when the Rangers are in town, gets to be like 65, 70 percent Rangers fans. So um, that would be pretty cool. Uh, obviously, Pittsburgh has a w- way better home ice advantage. So I wonder if that maybe the the uh, the Canes fans don't fill it up. So we'll see about that. And and the one other thing, too, is like uh, it's not totally Igor's fault. I mentioned a lot of easy goals on the doorstep for the Penguins, but maybe we'll get the Igor shutout game the, where he stands on his head. And if he just steals one, I think he still has that ability. I think that game one, the triple overtime game took a lot out of him. And I think maybe now a little bit of rest, um, he could have that one performance where nothing the Canes do can get by him. And if he steals one, that's just a huge advantage. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that's still happen. Definitely looked better in game uh, towards the latter stages of that series, made some big saves in game seven. So we'll see if Igor can, can do it. But Good to see Kreider stepping up. Zibanejad, of course, Panarin with the game winner. I'm excited. This the second round. Uh, it's got a hard act to follow, but we've got some great series matchups starting tonight as we record this. Uh, Eddie Murphy, thanks for coming on. My man coming on the show, talking some hockey. We'll have to do this again. But uh, best of luck to your Rangers, and uh, good talking sports with you here. Mitch, anytime. You're the best. Thank you, pal.
All right, huge thanks to Eddie Murphy. Check out all of his stuff on the Extra Points Network, and we'll see. We'll see how his Rangers do against the Hurricanes in round two. But already got off to a great start in the second round. Tampa goes on the road and beats Florida handily. So he's probably right in that one. And then uh, the Blues keeping it close. Bennington was amazing. They lose in OT against the Colorado Avalanche, who were thoroughly dominant in the second half of that game. Bennington kept, it in it, kept them in it. But it was the Avalanche and Manson scoring that late goal. So we're already up and running in round two of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Now we're going to talk playoff NBA action with Ryan Souls. What went wrong for the Suns? Everything went wrong, but how did it get to that point? Luka's transcendent performance as he steps up. And we talk Celtics heat in that one as well. It's Ryan Souls talking NBA playoffs here now on the Money Mitch Effect. Right now with us on the Munch Effect talk. Now down to the final four in the NBA Conference Finals on deck. It's Ryan Souls joining the program. Ryan, thanks for uh, coming on, talking hoops. And for me, it's it's nice to have some intrigue and some surprises. It wasn't all chalk this year. Yeah, man. Uh, first, appreciate you having me. And, man, it's been – I can't remember the last time – up before this point, we had chalk matchups, but the matchups were good. Like, usually chalk matchups, even though they kind of play out as chalk, the matchups aren't the best. They're not fun to watch. But I think these playoffs were really fun to watch so far, and I'm expecting kind of the same in these next two series we got. Well, let's kind of recap how we got here. Uh, the one I know you want to start with, and we can just kind of start with as well, was arguably the, and I'm going to, think about how far back we want to go but maybe the worst performance in a big game a game seven by a, a, a team with expectations the phoenix suns they lose to the dallas mavericks 123 to 90 we're going to give dallas all their props and respect you know much deserved in a few but ryan this was just a complete no-show by phoenix and i know there's injuries i know there's issues i know there's adversity but all teams go through this and even a loss, you'd be saying, oh, well, you know, if they competed, it's different. This was just an embarrassing performance, no other way around it, from the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, it really was an embarrassing performance. And the, the crazier part about it was they had strung together really four consecutive straight games of just bad performances. You know, it's I don't know what's worse to, to no-show really in a Game 7 or – to no-show over the consecutive games to get you to that Game 7. I think both are equally as bad. I think kind of the common denominator in a lot of this is Chris Paul's play, basically since he turned 37. His play has just not been at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just it was embarrassing uh, to watch just in terms of quality. And you would think a team is well-coached. Monty Williams going to win Coach of the Year. A team that's battle tested, having done what they did in the bubble two years ago, and then making the finals last year, you would think that you know a team would have a little bit of a better better showing. But it, man, it was something. It really wasn't. And props to Luca. Props to the Mavs. Yeah. Well, let's start with this. Uh, Twenty-seven points in the first half, just ten in the second quarter. The Mavericks went to halftime down 57-27, which was the same number of points Luka had in the first half. And I understand that Chris Paul was injured, but that's kind of in the story. I mean, that's unfortunately, that's who he is at this point in his career, his age, and all the injuries that he's had. We've seen the, the track record on this. 
I know Devin Booker was, I mean, I'm just going to go player by player at this point, but Booker, yeah, they double teamed him. Dallas smartly realized that with Paul compromised, not playing well, if they took Booker out, that was pretty much curtains and they doubled him, but you know, Booker couldn't figure out a way to, you know, rise above that and set other guys up, forced it, looked terrible. Uh, Aiton was a big non-factor, got into it on the bench. I, I really do think that it might be safe to say, Ryan, that Phoenix missed their window with Paul's age. Aiton contract uncertainty, they might, you know, he very well might be gone next year. We could be looking at a Phoenix team that might be blowing it up, so to speak, going into next year. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I think they absolutely missed their windows. And, you know, that's the beautiful thing about sports, how quickly windows open and shut. Uh, just through history and the Suns, you know, had a, a nice two year window to try to get a title. And, you know, I think you're a hundred percent right. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Deandre Aiden. I think it's obvious that he's not going to get a super max from Phoenix and him being a restricted free agent. Somebody will. Um, well, be yeah. And I, and I just want to mention that too. I mean, Phoenix has, you know, they're, they've got ownership issues. They haven't made great decisions. That's an understatement, but, would you? I mean, I wouldn't give him a supermax. Like, take Phoenix, take the Phoenix side of this out of it. I just don't think that he's performed to that level, to that you no, have your faith faith in that. I agree, hundred percent. And I think had he shown that he could be even a twenty point per game scorer, he might have shown he's worth a supermax then. But I don't know if that's even what they need. I think with this, these playoffs has shown that they need another scorer because Chris Paul isn't going to. Yeah. A, non, a non-dependent people. score, for exactly. sure. Exactly. And I don't. I think in this case, you know, as much, I love traditional bigs as, as much as any old-school guy, but the Suns need scoring more than they need a big, and I think they should be looking to get that for Aiden. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a shame for Phoenix still trying to find first title, maybe an even longer wait now. Uh, Dallas wins, and, you know, you can't say enough about Luke. This felt like a moment in his career trajectory that we will mark and remember uh, for what he did. The 27 first half points finished with 35, 10, and 4. Uh, just remarkable. And the fact, Ryan, too, that their whole season swung upward when they got rid of Porzingis for Dinwiddle, who, who you know, we kind of thought it was just a throw in. He had 30 points in this game, 7, has proven that he can coexist with Luke and give them some scoring punch whether he starts or not. That trade being so impactful, maybe the most of the deadline, is pretty shocking to me. Yeah, and, I, you know, it wasn't really that shocking to me just because, one, I wasn't very high on Porzingis, even when he was in New York, you know, putting up solid numbers. But I thought the biggest thing with Luca, if he was going to buy in to what Jason Kidd was trying to do and, and learning from an all-time point guard – it was obvious that they were going to need to get the ball out of Luca's hands more. And having Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie both as really good ball handlers who can get their own shot uh, and can hit open shots at times uh, and shown they can hit open shots on the road when Luca uh, is, you know, driving in addition or whatever to get them the ball. I think that's been the biggest thing uh, to your point about that trade and, if Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson continue to play like this, especially on the ball, I think that's going to be huge. Yeah, Dinwiddie's been great. Um, I, I think that more so I, I understand dumping uh, Porzingis for sure. But Dinwiddie just fitting right in and giving you know them some stuff there. This has been the Lucas show, and the way it's shaping up to be, 
with how the other dominoes fell. Dallas, absolutely, Ryan, is a contender to win this title. It's a, it's a weird year, but it's an opportunistic uh, time for some of these teams. And, you know, I, I really do think it's going to segue in some of our other series, but I'm at a point now where all four of these teams could win it and it wouldn't be like, whoa, I can't believe this happened where we are right now. Yeah, I was getting ready to say the exact same thing. All four of these teams are live. I think Dallas, uh, just the way they're built, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about Golden State in a little bit, I'm sure, but I think uh, right now it's hard to argue that Dallas isn't going to have the best player in the series, you know, as much as we have to say about Steph Steph Curry historically. At this point in time, I think Luka's the best player in the series, and I think with the way they like to play, the fact that Golden State is small also – could be uh, to their detriment. I think the Mavs got a really good chance to win this series. Before we move on, last thing, what did you think of Pat Beverly on television? Jeez. Well, do you think it's funny? I, I, is there anything worse than you just have a terrible game and your biggest enemy, hater, whatever you want to call him, is on TV the next day? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's the, just, just forever troll. And I just, I don't know. It just, it's just certain guys. I get the whole thing of when he's on your team, you love him. When he's not on your team, you hate him. That's how I feel about Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. I just don't like Patrick Beverly. <laughs> well, I would say that I don't think it's necessarily an act. I think that's who he is, and I think that's probably the only reason he's in the NBA was that oh, chip on his shoulder mentality. And I'll try to find the positives first. It was nice that he did give props to players that he respects and likes, obviously Luca being one of them. Uh, Steph Curry he mentioned it's also clear that he hates Chris Paul and that'll never change uh, because he was ready to dance on his grave at the first opportunity Um, but you know I just think that it was timing is everything I think I would have really been surprised to see him had Phoenix won that game I don't know what the conversation would have been like then I think it was just a perfect situation for them uh, in terms of programming and I take everything with uh, everything that he says with a grain of salt just because it's clear as day the personal animosity there a hundred percent. And I think, you know, I, I don't even think the Chris Paul thing was the most egregious thing, you know, he was talking about. The fact that he thought that James Harden deserves a Supermax is the crazy part. I thought you were going to say the bubble championship line about the Lakers. Oh, yeah, that part too. No, but like my thing is, to be honest, up until the bubble, I didn't have that big of a problem with Pat Bev. He, when Chris Paul is walking away yeah. from him, Subdued in the back, like I just I got a problem with that. Yeah, well, plays on the edge goes overboard. It was funny to see. Uh, as we mentioned, Dallas in the conference finals, they'll play Golden State. Golden State gets by Memphis in six turbulent games. Unfortunately, John Morant at the end, and uh, that that marred the series in a lot of ways. Um, but I think what it kind of did, Ryan, was take away a little bit, fairly or unfairly, Golden State's performance is going to be kind of just you know, graded like differently because there was no jaw at the end. Mm-hmm. I think I've, I've liked what I've seen from Golden State by and large, but they do tend to have some flaws, and that's kind of what I wanted to get in with you now. They turn the ball over a bunch. Draymond, for as great as he is on defense and passing, isn't really shooting much. And Clay's inconsistency uh, are, are the nitpicks that I have. On the plus side, Jordan Poole's played great. Steph is still at a stage of his career where he impacts the game tremendously, and uh, they've been there before. So, how would you grade what Golden State's been so far? So a couple things. I think, you know, for any championship run, you know, luck is going to have to be involved in any situation. And I think 
if Golden State ends up beating Dallas, ends up winning a title, um, beating Miami or Boston, we're going to look at no Jamal Murray, no uh, Michael Porter, and we're going to look at no Ja, you know, as the reason for them getting to this point because the the new quote-unquote death lineup uh, is severely undersized. And I think the big thing that nobody is mentioning is this whole Warriors thing doesn't work on a championship level if Steph Curry isn't shooting Steph Curry-like numbers. Because the thing is, is the the turnovers, the, the careless play, all that gets negated when the, the two best shooters on the team at any moment can get hot and kind of just push away. And we haven't, to be honest, we haven't seen that this year uh, on that level. The, the 2015-2016, yeah. we've seen more team cohesion, better defense. But I, I think Steph Curry he's going to need to average somewhere close to 30 on close to 40, 50, 90 splits for them to really be able to mm-hmm. match Luka Dantich from a scoring standpoint, I think. Yeah. Or, or Clay is going to have to ramp it up. I think that's the other part of this that, you know, he had a good game six in the second half, but he's been a little inconsistent and yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's fascinating because I don't think, I don't think they have anyone that can really, I mean, no one really does, but they can guard Doncic. I think they're going to probably take Looney out for long, extensive parts of the game to go small with them. Mm-hmm. And I think offensively, it's going to be a crazy, productive fireworks uh, series, and I think both teams do have a distinct home advantage. We're going to get to the prediction on that in a little bit, but just wanted to mention on the East here with Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch effect that the Boston-Milwaukee series – I actually think did, other than that last game, it lived up to the hype. Game 7 was when we finally saw, in my opinion, that Milwaukee ran out of gas without Chris Middleton. Mm -hmm. But that said, big, huge props to Jason Tatum for his Game 6 performance, putting the team on his back, and really the entire Celtics Game 6 and 7 performance because they threw away Game 5. It would have been easy to say, we lost it, we blew our chance, it's over. How many times have we seen a team fold in the next game going on the road? But Boston didn't do that, and they deserve to win this series. 100%. I mean, just from top to bottom, you give credit to uh, Udoka for how well he's coached. Tatum has seemed to have taken that next step uh, into being, you know, an elite, elite, top of the league sort of NBA player, not just in that star, all-star category that we've mentioned him in for so long. And uh, just on defense – Giannis played well, but he was not as efficient. Uh, they built the wall. It was hard for him to get to the rim. Uh, and with no Middleton kind of end of the game actions that they're going to run, especially with Giannis and Middleton, none of that was there. And I think too much was put on Drew Holiday. And no one, a lot of people haven't said this either, but this is a series where being cheap and not paying PJ, PJ Tucker shows up and hurts you because you could. Yeah. Well, I, I think I agree. And I just think maybe they definitely have to look. You have Giannis, who's already a top, what 20 player of all time, if not higher. So you're going to have him. He wants to buy in. You're going to have to retool around him. I, I get what you're saying, but I do think though, that if you're thinking big picture, you just got to address getting young, hungry players around Giannis that can actually score. Because they they tied a lot up in Middleton, he goes down, and then suddenly the cupboard's bare. Uh, right. But you know, I think the window is open because he's 
he's as good as he is. He's as young as he is, and he wants to be there. Um, but as I mean, and it's funny as we record this, um, I'm not counting Miami out. Uh, you know, the Philadelphia collapse notwithstanding, Miami had the number one seed in the regular season. They are a tough, battle-tested team. They play to Jimmy Butler's attitude, uh, you know, positive and negative. And I don't know if you just saw this as we record this, but uh, no smarter Horford tonight. Both of those guys out for game one. Yeah, that's interesting. I, and, you know, I just think – Horford's played well, man. Like, I would not see has. this coming. Not at all. Not the not – the, he dropped 30 one night. Yeah. And just both those players are so savvy on both ends of the floor. Uh, Boston would 100% miss them. I think, though – I think the series is going to go seven, man. I think the way these teams match up, uh, they kind of mirror each other. When you think about it, like they, they're all kind of big wingish players who can switch through all the positions. Um, Tatum, Brown, uh, and Smart will be able to be guarded and switched on by Butler, PJ, and Lowry if Lowry's available. Bam. Uh, if he gets switched on to Tatum or Brown, can play them and contest shots too. So I think going in, you probably say that Tatum is the best player in the series, even though Jimmy has better playoff numbers up to this point, believe it or not. But I, I think I think this is going to be really close. I think this is a coin flip. I think it's going to be a 90-style slugfest with just the mentalities and the way these two teams play. It wasn't too long ago, I know Boston's much better, that uh, Miami handled them in those bubble playoffs. So there, there is some matchup things there. Spolstra's a great coach. We'll see uh, Udoka, how he does in, in a big series against a very good coach. I agree. I think it's, it's going to be a long series. I just think Miami is also known to kind of wear you down and make adjustments. That's what we saw in the Philly series. We know we know the things with Harden and the, just the disarray there, but I do think that the underrated part of that, Ryan, was they made adjustments in that series from game four on. It looked like a completely different, inept, ineffective Philly team. They did, absolutely did, and I can say a whole lot about Philly, but we ain't got to. <laughs> we don't. Just be be glad that your team's not on the hook for $47 million from a guy aging in dog years, seemingly. Yeah, I'm on the hook for $47 million to another guy. <laughs> fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, so, okay, well, quick picks on this one. I, I'm actually going to go, I'm going to say, to be uh, to be fun and different because it never, you know, in the NBA I always ask for this and it never happens. So I'll say the uh, teams without, I'll say Boston and Dallas. Why not? Okay. And actually like uh, a repeat of the 2011 finals, okay. Miami and yeah. Dallas. I thought. I thought Miami. I know I hyped him up a little bit, but um, um. yeah, and you know, and to be honest, outside of rooting against just the Celtic franchise, I wouldn't care if either four of these teams won the title. And yeah. I think just in the grand scheme of things, a lot of legacy involved. Uh, if any of these teams win, you know, I think it's definitely title. Uh, it's hard to argue that he's not a top ten player. We can have that discussion later on. Luca and Jimmy would be vying for their first along with Tatum. So I just, a lot of legacy here. It's a good point, man. Uh, well, I'm excited to see how this plays out. Before I let you go, uh, Ryan Souls, just, just two quick things. One being, what stood out to you with the uh, NFL schedule release? 
Man, you know what? I got to be honest. Week one out the gate, Bills Rams just mm. set us on fire with that. I love that. And then I'm really interested. I think is it week four we get <clears throat> we get that Super Bowl rematch with Bucks Chiefs. Yeah, I think so that's I'm interested right. that. Uh, yeah, just seeing how the Chiefs are going to retool without Tyree Hill is just going to be interesting. And uh, I think Brady just got a lot to prove still. So. Well, I mean, it's fine. I guess like what I was like, yeah, he says that. I don't know about if I agree with that, but yeah, it's crazy, man. I I just him going in the NFL and the media deal that he signed. I mean, uh, the last thing I have, how locked in are you going to be this weekend to Tiger's return at the PGA championships? Man, I'm excited for that. He said it's getting stronger. Uh, I don't know too much about the course or anything like that, but it'll just be good to see him out there and playing. And hopefully, you know, it was it was amazing to see him just finish all four rounds at the Masters. So if he's stronger and, you know, can compete and make it interesting, you know, that would be all the more better. I mean, there's always a chance, right? Like, it's golf, good couple rounds. He could be in the mix. You never yeah. know. I think realistically, it's not good to expect those things, his yeah. age, what his body's been through. But like you said, just to see him out there and hopefully get through pain-free and not be gutting it out like before uh, will be huge. But, you know, he, we got to savor these opportunities, man. They're him and Tom Brady. I mean, Brady's probably going to play for another 15 years or whatever. But it's good to see Tiger out there and, and still competing with these young pups. Uh, crazy. Ryan Souls, thanks for coming on. We'll check in again probably after the dust is settled, see uh, who our new NBA champ is, and uh, talk a few other things. But thanks for coming on the show. That's going to do it for today's episode of The Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again to Eddie Murphy and Ryan Souls for appearing as guests. Heat taking uh, game one of the Celtics series with a dominant third quarter. Jimmy Butler was amazing as well. No Smart and Horford were a huge difference. We'll see how that series goes. A lot of playoff hoops, a lot of playoff hockey. Tiger Woods in the PGA Tour Championships this weekend. We've got the Preakness coming up. Baseball season in full effect. Sports are great. Springtime sports. Everything's going well. We'll be back back to break down more sports action on this Money Mitch Effect podcast, which you can find on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect, and it comes right up. As always, check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. For Eddie Murphy and Ryan Souls, my name is Mitch Michaels, and this was the Money Mitch Effect. Keep enjoying sports.